You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Security Sandbox. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Security Sandbox. I'm Amanda Pinnell, Chief Security Officer at Relativity, where we help the legal and compliance world solve complex data problems securely. And that takes a lot of creativity. One of the best things about a sandbox is that you can try anything. This season, let's explore how curiosity and personal passions inspire stronger security. Grab your shovel and let's dig in. In today's episode, the Sandbox is heading to the training field for a fast-paced conversation with two military veterans and current Calder 7 security teammates, Gabriel Diaz de Leon and Zachary Langwell, on how their experience executing highly detailed military processes and dealing with high-value, high-stress situations prepared them for a life in cybersecurity. So let's lace up our boots and enter the fray. All right, Zach and Gabe, I normally intro everybody. I'm not doing that because I actually want you to tell people what you do for a living here. You're on the team with me. We're going to start with Gabe. Gabe, tell people what you do. What's your daily life like? What's your title and your daily life? Yeah, so I am a cyber analyst in the Insights team. Uh, My role is dealing with insider threats. um, And my day to day basically is meant to prevent an insider threat from damaging our organization and ruining our reputation. Okay, I feel like it's so easy to double-click on that about the military tie-in, but I'm going to stop for a second. Zach, what is your day-to-day life like here, and what is your role? Uh, So I am an advanced security engineer on the cloud security team. So my day-to-day operations are really focused around the identity and access management program we have here at Relativity, as well as our uh, cloud governance in Azure. So... We're going to branch off that then, Zach. So how does this relate back to what your role was in the U.S. military, if it does? Um, Not directly. Uh, I didn't have a technology-facing role while I was in the military. However, um, I think we can all, um, part of the reason that we're here is we can draw those ties between um, being a soldier, Marine, airman, uh, seaman first, those responsibilities translate very directly to uh, roles in security. All right. Then I think, Gabe, yours might be directly. I feel like you did have some overlap and insider threat perspective in the military. What was your role in the military? So my role in the military, I was a field radar operator. So I was part of the communications um, realm. Um, And that kind of correlates, in a sense, to technology. Um, But also I had secondary roles, and one of them was uh, a machine gunner. Um, So... For me, it was I was supposed to provide security for our convoys and our logistics unit. So that kind of taught me security both in a physical sense and uh, my main role taught me the security side of the logic, like the virtual realm. So um, I feel like I kind of got a best of both worlds there. Yeah, so we, we're coming up for Veterans Day. That's why I'm so excited. Uh, this is one of those things that, you know, it's not an easy conversation to have a lot of times about like experience, background, whenever you've been in the military. And I don't think we spend enough time giving some light to it. Um, but the whole point of the sandbox and this theme for this 
this entire year has been about personal passions. This is actually an area that I am personally very passionate about. My father was in the military. I worked at Veterans Affairs for over five years as a contractor. Uh, but it's been like a way of life for me for many years. And then I've noticed as I've gone through you know, my career in security that every time I came across somebody who was super good at process and I, and just really very targeted about the way they approach something with a goal, when I would like needle a little bit about their background, it would oftentimes come up that they had been in the military. And I was like, Oh, I knew it. I knew it. It's like financial background and military. So while it doesn't always feel like it's a direct correlation for how the military service would prepare you for your role, sometimes when you look back on it, and Zach, I would, I would ask this of you as well, do you think that there was a certain amount of like process, risk management, the way that you would approach a goal that really prepared you for this? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, the, uh, the thing that you can, you can easily draw that line is you don't want someone figuring out um, you know, how to use a med kit or how do I use this radio to call in, um, you know, some sort of support request when I'm in an incident that I need that. So having those, um, having those procedures and everything already ready to go and everyone on the same page creates that uniformity that everyone just flows through an incident. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want to see out of like a security position. You don't want to have uh, chaos and people running around, um, you know, trying to figure out what to do when something's happening. You want everyone to just kind of automatically go into that autopilot and start responding um, the way that you want them to. Did either of you ever have uh, a time and an interaction or something whenever executing a procedure in the military went badly because people didn't follow a process and they didn't do what they were supposed to do? Uh, no, not necessarily. Um, the way that the military works, they when they implement some sort of training onto you, you keep doing it over and over and over until it becomes muscle muscle, muscle memory. Um, but part of that, they teach you that no matter what happens, even if it doesn't happen according to the training, you are taught to think outside the box, right? Mm-hmm. So in the Marines, you're giving a leadership role from the very beginning. So anybody can take a leadership position. They, they expect you to take charge in case that leadership is gone. They teach you to think outside the box, but at the same time, they want you to realize that that training one day is going to come in, in hand. So when the situation arises, you don't have to think about that training. It just kicks in and you just do it. Hmm. Zach, you feel the same way? No misses because you were trained muscle memory? No, I mean, I think... Um... There's, there's, uh, there's an old saying that goes around that um, back during like the Cold War, uh, the Russians used to say the hardest thing um, about fighting the Americans is that they rarely follow their own uh, tactics and procedures. You can find their manual and you just, because things, although having those, you know, procedures is important, things rarely go to plan, right? If we can always plan, you know, for the perfect response scenario, we can tabletop and, uh, and discuss, you know, every possible avenue of approach. And then the next thing you know, there's going to be a new one that we didn't plan for. And that's how we got hit. So one of the big things, uh, I think that's important about being prepared for when things go wrong, that uh, relativity does really well is our core values. Cause at the base of all of those procedures are always, um, some sort of core or, uh, principles that are going to guide us in that right direction, right? Mm -hmm. So in the military, 
in the army, you have like your general orders. I will guard everything within the limits of my post and quit my post only when properly relieved. So in a scenario where, you know, oh, what should I do? Should I run out and get somebody? Well, my first general order says I need to guard my post. So even though this isn't something I expect, I fall back on those, um, those core principles to guide me and making sure that I take the next appropriate steps. Uh, and relativity does that, you know, with our, with our values. So let's get a little techie. What is it you're looking for to, to see something? What raises the alarm of like, oh, this might be something. So let's educate the listeners here. Okay, so for me, when I look for somebody who is considered somewhat of an insider threat is somebody who doesn't, you know, have the permissions, is asking for permission. So asking for more rights than they, they need. Uh, they're asking for information that don't relate to their position. Uh, so, for example, if you have somebody in marketing asking uh, somebody in finance, hey, how much um, how much are we paying our employees? Right. So or how much does this employee specifically make or not even that let's jump into like say engineers you know trying to get access to a system right that houses all of our corporate you know secrets this you know this person you know has just joined relativity say 3 months you know and now they're asking for the keys to the kingdom so that kind of starts raising some flags and they you want to know why why they need this type of information Right. Are they are they planning on doing something? Are they planning on taking some information? Are they working with somebody else? Um, so part of that is uh, we want to make sure that things that don't normally happen are, you know, being viewed and making sure that everything is, you know, checked out because we don't want, you know, somebody flying under radar under the radar and, you know, taking information with them and they just suddenly leave. Right. So, so the- what do you do to look for this? And I mean, Zach, this is definitely going to come to you in a minute because we're talking about identity access. So just so you know, but so Gabe, you're going to use people process tech. So what are you using in these three areas in order to to sniff out anything that's going on for Insider? And don't yeah, so, give away too much. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we use uh, basic technologies that, are, that are, are common in our industry, right? So we're using SIM technologies. We're using um, machine learning in a sense uh, to spot out some differences with user activity. Uh, we also want to make sure that if they actually had any uh, machine that logged in uh, at odd hours, we know about. So we want to make sure that everything is documented, logged, and uh, reviewed. So that way, if a user does get access, which I'm pretty sure Zach seems does a great, uh, okay, do it. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. lock down everything very well, so nothing's getting by, uh, bypassed where it shouldn't, right? And the process, the procedures are being worked as they should, and if something doesn't go um, according to procedure, we can investigate, right? So my my role would work with many other teams to make sure that everything is according to plan. It does sound very military, by the way. There's no way to avoid that. But you're always looking for this to be executed properly, to follow a process, and if there's something out of the ordinary, you respond. But, okay. Zach, so you're in charge in cloud security. You got all our identity access management. What are you guarding? Let's tell everybody. What are you protecting? What's the access to? Yeah, so... um... We have, uh, uh, we kind of categorize our access management into a, um, a few larger areas to then help break apart how access to those should be provisioned and uh, managed. 
So in this case, we have um, like our back end, uh, our front end, and then our cloud infrastructure. So managing uh, identity and access to those three bring their own challenges and complications. Um, being able to give engineers enough access to do their jobs um, both quickly, efficiently, and uh, well, but without um, you know, giving them too much access where if someone was compromised, obviously we want to reduce that uh, blast radius as much as possible. Oh, the blast radius is a very military term, but yeah, okay. Because, <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's never about like if, it's always about when um, something's going to get compromised, right? So, well, I love that you've got this uh, CISSP book behind you because you're absolutely calling out role of least privileges and access, right? But this is the <laughs> part of security. Role of least privileges goes back to what Gabe said, is that we want the least people to have access to something. And yeah. when they do get access to it, that they have you know, no longer than they, than they should. So just in time, what is right. just in time? Uh, just as you described, um, it's the amount of access for the amount of time that you need it. Um, and automatically revoking uh, that access when that time is up. Um, so, you, I mean, in these core uh, security principles apply to both like our identity access management, as well as when you start getting involved with like clearances. Um, a lot of people think, for instance, if you have like a top security, uh, the TS clearance that you can just access, you know, the, the president's family All of the and things. everything. All of the things. But without that need to know as well, you don't get access to anything. It's both you have to have the, the clearance to access it and the need to know that information. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's critical to the United States' uh, information security policy. Wait, are you, are you keeping anything from me? You think I don't have need to know or do you tell me everything? I tell you everything that you need to know. <laughs> oh, that's so mean. It's accurate though. I think that's accurate, but... So do you two come across each other in your daily work? Because uh, Gabe, you're on cyber and Zach, you're on product security. So do you two come across each other since there's obviously access, requests, insider threat? I actually think there, there is a piece that we're collaborating on right yep. now. Um, so one of the big things, uh, you know, I manage the identity and access management program, but... Um, one of the biggest things we do is we need to fuel those uh, logs and incidents. So when you know something happens, I can tell him and hey, if this happens, you sh that we should be investigating. This is not normal behavior. Mm -hmm. And then Gabe can take that information and turn that into a tangible uh, response that our yeah. cyber team has. Yeah. So it's this really cool collaboration between um, you know I know how it works and what should be happening and what shouldn't. And, uh, and his team knows how to turn that into uh, responses and red alarms and everything that goes off. So in your job in the past, so how long have both of you been here separately? So Gabe, you answer first. I am coming up on my three-year mark uh, pretty soon. So, awesome. All right, Zach, how long have you been here? Yeah, so two and a half years. Okay, so not far from each other. In this amount of time, in the last two and a half to three years, has something gone wrong for you at work that you didn't feel prepared for what you were encountering? And if so, how did you adapt to it? Because I'm trying to see if you adapted to it in a similar way that you would have when you were in the military. I think I can go first on that one. I think uh, for myself, it has to do with pen testing. We, we're not told when they're going to happen. 
And sometimes, you know, we just we just know that something's out of the ordinary, but we're not aware of it. We start responding right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of that is also, you know, testing that, making sure that we know what to do. And then we continue doing it until we're told, hey, stop. This is part of a test, right? So I think for us, it's like, okay, we react to, you know, incidents or events that happen. But I think, you know, part of that training, we kind of expected, you know, some form, some form of attack to happen. We just don't know when. But when, even though it was a simulated test on our end uh, for us and the organization, I feel like our training kicked in. And we actually executed our plans accordingly, even though we were told to stop. But hmm. it happens. We were we did tell you to stop, and you all just kept. <laughs> the only reason is because when you do a pen test from my perspective, it's like a super big waste of money for me to have hired mm-hmm. a third party to do it, and then we catch them and block them right away. And it's like, no, 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 let them in. And yeah. I had to like, and it was funny because you all pushed back on me to put it in writing because you were like, no, 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 we'll stop attacking them, you know, or we'll stop blocking them when you put it in writing. And I was like, oh my gosh, your process. But yeah. Yeah. The reason we wanted to do that was because we wanted to avoid any impersonation because we already kind of knew somebody was getting attacked and we saw the traffic happening. We just didn't know whether the the executive team was compromised. So we didn't want to take that risk. I'm always compromised. No, I'm kidding. No, this was, that's a really good point that pushed back on process. And it was something that really, it saved you all in the end because in the retro, it was very much like, okay, did you get authorization to stop? And and you did. So that was good. Zach, something that went wrong. Um, You know, I can't think of something that's gone really wrong necessarily to begin with. But what I do think about is just whenever we do have any sort of incident or something that um, pops off, the teamwork that really comes together uh, just kind of reinforces that because in the military, um, there's no individuals. You're, you're a team, you know, you drop what you're doing and you help you, you pick up your, uh, your fallen, you know, comrade and you, you keep going and and you, you drive forward together. So, and I see a lot of that. um, If we have some, some, something that happens, uh, people from, all the different teams across Calder 7 will, you know, pick up and chip in and jump into bridges and, and just get, get the job done. So, mm. well, okay. So I've got three major themes that seem like they've already come out really easily with having this conversation with you two, uh, which I'm just excited. We don't always hang out with the three of us. So thank you for spending the time with me. But these takeaways that I feel like we can see here, there's definite overlaps in process and risk management techniques that are used in the military and they're used in the cybersecurity realm. It, it just helps condense that chaos that can that can happen in either one of these realms. The second one would be muscle memory. It does seem this repeatable, uniform, need to think on your feet whenever things are not going to plan during a crisis or an event or an attack. So this muscle memory idea is an awesome one that I think we do lean on a lot in security. And of course, attackers never sleep and they don't follow a schedule. So you always have to be prepared to jump in, respond accordingly. It's not a matter of if, it's when. And I love this idea, Zach, in terms of like your, your core order knowing what you need to do as your your fundamental thing there. Um, we know that they're going to happen. We know that these things are going to happen, but we always follow that core order um, fundamentally to make sure that we that we stay that we stay on our base. Uh, I can't end an episode like this without quoting my favorite movie, which has a military 
background to it, but 300, right? Everyone knows, name my first kid Leonidas, okay, right? Super into it. And there's a part where Leonidas said something and just reminds me so much of working with both of you. And he said, uh, I'm going to say this a little gender generalized because I don't like it's all him, him, him. So a Spartan's true strength is the warrior next to them. So give respect and honor to them and it will be returned to you. First, you fight with your head. And then Queen Gorgo said, and then you fight with your heart. And the two of you in the two and a half to three years that you both have been here, you have absolutely fought with both your head and your heart. And I look forward to many years with you next to me, shoulder to shoulder. Thanks for digging into these topics with us today. We hope you got some valuable insights from the episode. Please share your comments. Give us a rating. We'd love to hear from you. Security Sandbox is produced by Relativity. Our theme music was created by Monarch. Find us wherever you listen to your podcasts or visit Relativity.com for more episodes. 